What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is a podcast from Minute Media. And to us today, uh, this afternoon, we got a special guest, former All-Pro Panthers guard Mike Wall, to join us to talk about the Panthers uh, draft pick. So, Mike. Again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, before we get started, I just want to give an update on our fans, what you've been up to, what's been going on with Process to Perform, and what big plans you have for 2022. Oh, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, things have been going well. I just um, – I think the last time we talked, I was putting together my new platform, so everything's automated now. So I have my uh, I have my total athlete development platform and my and my perpetual mastery coaching platform now completely um, – Completely online, so you can upload, you can watch whenever you want, and then we obviously, you know, obviously it's a it's an interactive um, experience. So we have sessions that are a video, and then we have we have live sessions with me, so we can really kind of hammer out the details of, of what you're trying to accomplish. So you can check that out on process to process to perform uh, Still have the process to perform podcast, and of course, Amon Green and I are hitting uh, Packer fans with the on my block podcast uh, every week, usually coming out on the Wednesday. So be on the lookout for that as well. Okay, yeah, I've actually listened to that. I'm sorry. I actually listened to y'all uh, a few of y'all podcasts episodes. Y'all have fun, man. You and Amar. Y'all be having <laughs> yeah, y'all be having some great conversations. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's when they asked us to do it, it was this this you know, believe the network came up and said, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? And I was kind of like, as long as you just I don't want to do any work, I just want to do the podcast. Like I'll do research everything, but I, I don't want to produce it or anything. And then and then she goes, uh what if Amon Green will do it with you? And I go, okay, whatever you want. Like yeah. as soon as as soon as they told us that each other was willing to do it, we were just like, oh yeah, of course we're going to talk to each other, man. This is this is just like back in the locker room. It's the thing we miss most. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My daughter in Cali, she she been hooked since uh we talked to you last time. So she's uh she followed y'all weekly. So appreciate you doing that. Bye. Okay, great. So move on to the um draft talk. So Mike, we're looking at Panthers are picking at six, and we're seeing the board fall. And something unexpected happens. All three left tackles are available, Akeem McQuanu, Charles Cross, and Evan Neal. At that point, you're looking at these available options. What's going through your mind about what direction they should go in trying to draft the next franchise left tackle? So I honestly – I mean, everybody has a preference on who's who's one, two, and three here. But I really like what the Panthers did because they kind of put their stake in the ground. You got When you when you pick Aquanu, you're kind of putting your flag in the ground saying, this is the kind of team we want to be. He is known of the three of these guys. What are the words that keep coming up? Like aggressive, physical, run dominant. And so I really like that they're putting their flag in the ground saying, this is the kind of team. Matt Rule said, this is the kind of team we want to be. We want to kind of go away. We don't want to be a drop back 70, 70 time a game uh, pass protection guy, you know, group. We've brought in some free agents. We brought in guys that are, that are okay running downhill zone schemes that are, that are being power football players. This guy, he's got a little bit of work to do. Like, I don't know if, I don't know if I think he's as polished as the other two, but just from a physical standpoint, and listen, 90% of the game is above the shoulders, guys, and it seems like this guy is saying all the right things. I love the way he plays on the field. I love the way he tries to finish. He's got a great coach in James Campen. So you could have been right with any you know, any three of these these picks, but you, you can't be upset with Aquano for sure. He's, he's going to be – I think he's going to be a really good player. Okay, great. And what do you think his biggest adjustments are going to be going from the college game at NC State to probably being a plug-and-play starter in his first year as a pro? Yeah, so, I mean, the speed of the game obviously changes. You play a good player every single week. 
Um, going against Brian Burns every every day is going to help, uh, you know, obviously. But you're, and he's, what he's going to find out really soon is, is the way that he sets now, he's going to get beat inside out by Brian Burns in training camp. Just watch for it. I'll just right. tell you right now. Right, because it, it's just little things like that. You know, if you're, if you're going to do that flat center, the 45 zone, that 45-degree set, you're going to get beat inside a lot in the NFL level. Um, guys are still teaching it. Um, I was working with a guy before the draft that had just been at, a, at, at another place, and they had taught him the 45-degree. I go, listen, man, if you keep doing that, just keep, plan on giving up two pressures or a sack every game because it's it, – unfortunately, with a, with a 320-pound human, you can't redirect that fast. So I would just say little things like that they're going to have to work with. In-game adjustments are always a big deal, and then really being able to play the game with the line of scrimmage. And the difference between a college player and a pro player is that a really good – and I'm talking about a professional. Sorry, not a pro player, but a professional. A professional can get to the line of scrimmage and kind of figure out what's going on before the snap. And when he gets to that level, it'll probably take a couple years. But, again, like I think he's really lucky that he has a good coach in James Campen because I know that James, from experience, I can tell you that he, he can put players in the right position to be successful. So – the speed of the game, a little bit of the technique stuff, but you know he's he's he just looks the part, doesn't he? Oh yeah, definitely. Let's love his tape. He plays with that nastiness, that aggressiveness. I mean, he plays to the whistle. You see him driving guys off the screen when you're trying to watch the all 22 film session. He's playing at home. He's from Charlotte, so I think uh, Panther fans have a lot of good reasons to be excited for this pick. Uh, Kev, you have any thoughts and questions for Mike? Yeah, I wanted to ask Mike. So with the uh, Panthers offensive coordinator, Ben McAdoo, he's on record for saying that um, he's going to run a uh, uh, West Coast offense philosophy to combine with a power run game. Uh, what type of blocking schemes um, can when you have a when you have a West Coast offense, do you think uh, will feature will feature the strengths of Aquano and also some of the weaknesses? Great question. Um, so everything starts – well, I, let's start by saying this. Like, if you're a really good offensive line, when we talk, start talking about schemes, you know, a lot of people will say they run the outside zone or they run the power scheme, right? Like it's, you should be able to do everything because it, at the end of the day, we're, we're, it's, it starts becoming semantics. And, and sometimes coaches get really locked in um, because Alex Gibbs used to make guys run towards the sideline. And so that became like a sideline outside zone scheme. But most of the guys that are that are coaching in the league now, they want you to get on a track. They want you to run on the track. And you take it as it comes. That's really not that different from what you're going to do in like a man scheme. And then those those all those double teams that you're running really can line up with a power downhill game. So you know, and again, James Campen's done it all. So I think he's. I think no matter what they decide to do, I guess from an external standpoint, internally, it's they're going to be talking about a lot of the stuff the same way. Aquano is going to be really good at double teams. Aquano is going to be really good at anything where we're doubling, we're getting to the second level, whether it's backside Bs, play side deuces, play side trays. I think those are the things you really want to feature him in early on. One, because he's massive and he's powerful, and, he, and that allows him to use his aggressiveness in the best way possible because he has inside protection or outside protection. And then as you as you build this out, now you can start doing that open outside zone scheme where he's, a, he's, the, he's the open man on the end line of scrimmage which are kind of you know, traditionally the hardest blocks for a, a, an open side tackle. And then obviously the backside stuff where they have to chase down that three technique. And then depending on whether you're allowed to cut, what the situation is, how they want to play that, sometimes those are difficult. The footwork backside, depending on his stance, something that he's going to have to work on, keeping that mental weight on the inside part of your outside foot so you can really gain leverage on that first step. Little things like that will be difficult to start out with. But again, as long as you're cognizant of it and you're a good athlete, like it's going to happen. A lot of players just don't take the time to pay attention to the details. If he's a detailed guy, if he learns to be a detailed guy, he's going to have no problem either. 
Oh no, Kyle. One of the things that we saw on film that we really liked that we was impressed with the man his size with his athleticism was his ability to uh reach and pull block on and also in the screen game. I mean, this guy, like I didn't know if you heard the story, they give out a bottle of pancake syrup for every <laughs> pancake block, and like he easily led the team this year with 50 of them. So it's like seeing a guy like that size, like he he should really be able to you know be a factor in the um, screen game. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. And listen, the the big thing that you hope for with some of these guys, and there's a bit there was a lot of talk this year because this seemed to be a more physical tackle group overall, maybe offensive line group than we've seen in the years past. As far as a lot of times we're touting their athleticism, these guys are athletic, but there's a couple, there's a handful of guys in this team, and maybe it's just because the the clips they pulled from the senior bowl, but a lot of guys trying to finish to the ground. And what you hope is that you got the guy that is athletic enough to do that at the next level without holding. And it seems like if of everybody that you look at, Aquano's the guy that you go, okay, he's got the demeanor that he wants to finish. Like we like old school, like, you know, this the stuff that guys like me take pride in. And he has the ability to do that from an athletic standpoint without getting all those holding calls. So I think he's, again, all three of these guys would have been great. Um, this this guy is going to be phenomenal as far as being able to run. I kind of picture when you say you know when you say West Coast scheme with with a power running game and screen game, you're you're talking about the Green Bay Packers offense in the 2000s. I mean that's that's what we did, and so and James Campen was there for like four, five, six, seven years of that, right? So mm-hmm. I, I kind of look at it and just think, okay, this is exactly what we did. This guy's just a bigger, better version of whatever we had, just because of the evolution of man. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch him. Christian McCaffrey should be really excited about oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> if anybody's excited about this guy, it should be Christian McCaffrey. Hey, you mentioned, I know you had, had a brief stint with uh, James Campen in Green Bay. Can you just kind of tell us what do you expect him to be the inf- point of emphasis when Iguanu steps on the field for his first day of rookie camp and throughout the summer as he prepares for the season? A mental game. You know, J- James played. James played at a high level. He was a Green Bay Packers starting center for years. Um, and then, you know, he came, he came back in and worked his way up from assistant line coach. And I know he wasn't running the line when I was there, but he was in the room. You can tell how passionate he was about the game and how, you know, he can interact with players. Look, former players have a different relationship with current players as far as being able to convey some intimate information about the game that, you know, other guys just aren't able to do. Um, ultimately that ability, that ability to convey that kind of intimate information, what it feels like in these certain situations, like that really goes a long way if you have a good communicator. James is that. So I really think to improve his, what we just call sporting intelligence, which is a football IQ, I think he's going to have a huge impact on him from that standpoint. Okay, great. Uh, Kevin, you want to? Yeah, just one quick follow-up question. Uh, so, my, so now that, you know, with the rookie minicamp coming up, OTAs, uh, can you kind of give fans like a little bit of insight how important – uh, these reps are leading up into uh, training camp, particularly uh, for a rookie. Because uh, we always hear it, but, you know, and it's closed to the media, so we never know what really goes on. Can you kind of shed some light on the um, the importance of, um, you know, the OTAs and the um, mini camp leading up to training camp? I don't – okay, so I, I'm just one of those guys, I'll be honest with you, like I don't think OTAs are very important at all. Like I think the okay. – I, I, think, I think that the offseason is for athletes to get – to become the best athletic version of themselves and work on their technique. Um, I don't really think it takes that long to instant, like to, to put in um, like an offensive scheme, for example. So for, for mini camps, those are the opportunities to, you know, get out there, learn the playbook, put it on the grass, make the mistakes, get coached up, 
like in, in kind of a, a three-day window, a five-day window. I really like that learning module, maybe much more so than how they do it now where they try to spread it over a couple months. Um, I like that, that learning module a little bit more. So I think those mini camps are really important. As far as OTAs goes, you know, now with these guys, it depends on the building you go to, but, you know, some guys will be out of there in four hours. Some, some teams want to keep them around the entire day. And it just what honestly they'll and they'll have a player engagement guy come they'll have a financial guy come they'll they'll you know help you pick out a house and all this kind of pick out an apartment whatever you're gonna do and they it, it's not that this stuff's not valuable but the biggest thing about coming into the National Football League that people have to understand is like the intensity level during the season is ridiculously high even in like year seven year eight like you you're used to it but the intensity level is ridiculously high and what you want to be is excited to get into the building. Like you want to be so excited when July 22nd or whatever the day is kicks off. You're, you're there, you're with your boys, you're ready to work, you're ready to go to training camp, ready to get better. Like anything that takes away from that excitement, I'm not a big fan of, right? So I just want these guys to go in, get as big, fast, and strong as they can, feel really good about their technique, get those times in mini camps to learn that playbook, get a break, and then come back and just get ready to hit it, man. Because that that the season is so much fun. But it is intense. It is a grind. You got to be ready for it. Uh, Mike, last time we were on, we had watched a little bit of Brady Christensen. I know you're uh, familiar with him with just the times that you watched the Panthers as well. How do you see him as a fit, maybe a left guard next to uh, Iki Iquanu or more of a swing tackle behind him? Or given their skill sets, how do you see that tandem on the left side performing? Well, with the two guys they brought in, I would imagine they put um, – I bet you they play center and right guard. So Brady's going to have a chance to play left. Um, you know, I think the, he's going to have to be a more physical player. I think bottom line, you know, you, you, you got to get that physicality um, going a little bit more to be to right. play in the interior of the line. Mm-hmm. If he can do that, you know, he certainly has the athleticism. Um, some of that's just demeanor. Some of that's just confidence in the way in the way that you play and your hand positioning and everything. Like you know, good technique builds confidence. So. Um, if he continues to develop and improve, you know, the difference in, from year to year with these young players, you can really see it kind of jump off the page. So, you know, it's, we should we should hope and expect that he comes in there fighting for that left guard position and and maybe takes a page out of Aquanu's book and, and starts finishing to the ground. I mean, listen, the more that you finish, like the more you go into training camp and you make sure that guys know who you are, like every play they got to worry about you, right. that's how you get your name. Right. You, have, you can get your name by, you know, being a shutdown pass protector, but you really get your name like your name gets out in the league because you like people are worried about you're going to get knocked over a pile. Like they always got to be on the head on a swivel. That's how you get your name. That's how you get respect in this league. And we and sometimes we as younger players, they're just always trying to kind of keep their head above water and swim. Right. Sometimes you just got to like, hey, man, I'm going to go take the initiative. And no matter what happens, I'm going to make sure I'm finishing through the whistle. And if you just get that mentality, like nine times out of ten, things are going to turn out all right. Okay, great. Uh, Kev, you have any more questions about Aquanu before we talk about the next uh, draft pick? No, no, I'm good. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, in the, later in the draft, the Panthers took a edge rusher, uh, Amari Banu. He's 6'4", 236 pounds, runs a 4'3", 6'40", the edge rusher. <laughs> put in, Mike, what's with this? I know I read your website. You talked about they wanted basketball players as – tackles nowadays but don't they also kind of like they're moving towards sprinters and 100 meter dash runners at edge rusher how's that going to transition to the nfl i don't know I, you know, it's uh 
Well, so like, it's funny when you if you didn't know any better and you would have watched last the Panthers last year with Hassan Reddick and, and Brian Burns, like how big do you think they are? You know what I mean? Like they don't really look when they're going playing against a big time. I would have get, I thought Hassan Reddick was a safety when I watched him play the first time. You don't realize he's like two hundred forty five pounds, and so when you take that like make that context, and, and I'm not saying this guy is going to be the next Hassan Reddick because that Hassan Reddick has some really special movement skills and technique. If this guy's just with his blazing speed, though, if you can put, you know, if you can get people off balance in a, in a game of real estate, which is the pass protection, pass rushing game, in a game of real estate, if I can get to that position first under control, I'm, I'm going to have the advantage. And it's just a question of can we teach this kid to get off the ball, to redirect, to be able to do those things to a tackle, to put him in a position to get a holding call or get, you know, get free inside, et cetera. Anytime you have traits like a 4 3 6 40 and you're calling yourself an edge player, you're gonna get your like you're gonna get your opportunity, right? Because I've not even heard of it. Have you guys even heard of anybody no. running that fast? That doesn't even make sense, right? Like I can't even Javon, Javon Curse was like 255, and they called him the freak for a reason. Like he was the fastest thing we had all ever seen. And he didn't run a three a four three six. So I don't even know how, I, I don't even know what that looks like on, on the field, but I'll tell you that if they could figure out how to harness that in any way, whether it's maybe it just starts with, you know, he's he's the fourth, he's play stand up line on third down and eight. And he gets to kind of move around and get a head start, but gosh, you just look at that that weapon or that skill set as a weapon and go, we're gonna do, we're gonna find a way to get him on the field, man. We got to find a way to get that guy on the field because you just there's you know there's some things you can't coach and, and four three six is unfortunately unfortunately for guys like me is one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to make sure I get the guy's name. His name is Amari Barno. I think I said Banu. But um, when you're going one on one against these types of edge rushers, I mean, I guess the question I really want to ask is what's the challenge of utilizing that speed to become an effective pass rusher? Because you're not going to be running 40 yards in a game. You're going to have to have that lateral quickness, um, hit, use inside counters, uh, polish your hands. What are some things that's going to be a challenge for him using that athleticism to become an effective pass rusher? Well, think everything's going to start with the fact that he can he – can- catch your edge if you don't take a good set. So all you, you've already sped up, excuse me, you've already sped up the, the, the play, the play uh, process of the offensive tackle. So what usually happens when an offensive tackle feels uncomfortable that he's going to get beat up field, what usually happens is they just completely change their pass set. They go from trying to stay square to kind of opening up immediately and just trying to get out and get their hands on this guy. And again, it's a game of it's it's about getting to your real estate position under control, and you've or, he's already negated that. So all he has to do now is learn how to counter that, learn how to bat away an arm. But he's all he's naturally if he gets off the ball on the uh, on the snap, if he's got a good jump, he's naturally putting that tackle in a position. Because again, we just talked about it off air. A lot of tackles are being taught to do a forty-five degree set. And if you do a forty-five degree set against a guy who runs a four-three-six, and he even kind of edges you. Right. he's got 10 yards of free space behind you before that quarterback. I mean, he's got a lot of time to turn now. All he has to do is beat you by a little bit now. And so what happens? These guys get real nervous. They start clicking the heels, get their feet together, they turn their body, and now I can work the counter move. Now I can keep with the chop rip and get underneath them. Now I can do the hocus-pocus move and just dip my shoulder. Like there's a lot of things you can do when you have speed, right? right. Speed to power, especially if he gets a little bit, of, you know, a little more lead in his pencil. So there's a lot of stuff you can just base it off of, but – and you have to be able to challenge that. You fundamentally have to be able to challenge that edge. A lot of guys do it in different ways. 
like the the angle that I line up at in with respect to the tackle, for example. But this guy can line up anyway. He's going to challenge you because he runs a four three six. So he's right. already started on the platform. Most people don't even have. Right. Uh, Kevin, you have a comment about uh, Barnum? Um, no, not really. Uh, it's, it's just the fact that you know, with Matt Rule on day three, you know, they said that look, they're just gonna gamble on having these athletic traits and then coach them up. So you know, it'll you know, expecting anything within the first two years as far as significant production, I think fans should definitely kind of hold off on that. You know, I know uh, I, personally, I've always thought the forty time might was one of the most overrated you know combine metrics um because re rarely do is anybody running 40 straight yards um you know to uh, get to these speeds here but but um yeah, hey, I hey, let me challenge you on that hey let me challenge you on that so here, here okay. here's what i tell you here's what i, I just think about this mm -hmm. let's talk about offensive line or defensive line it doesn't matter to me right. now you can name a ton of offensive linemen who didn't run a sub five right that are right. good players there's a ton of offensive linemen Name me one offensive lineman that ran a sub five that sucked. You won't be able to name yeah. one. Right. <laughs> you can run a sub five. If you can run a sub five, you're going to be able to play because it because it's not. I know you don't run forty yards, but it is a measure of raw athleticism, and you are going to be able to play. I, I mean, I can name some guys that run sub five. Walter Jones ran a sub five. Kyle Turley ran a sub five. Like you back in the day, I ran a sub five. Mike Flanagan ran a sub. Five. I mean, you. Guys that run fast can play football in this at that level. It just it's not a um, it's not a gate you have to go through. But if you if you do run it, you're not going to find a lot of guys who can't because they can move. You know, does that make sense? Right. You yeah. might not agree with you might not agree with that, but I don't think you're going to be able to find a guy who can run a sub five and, and can't play can't play offensive line. It's 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 hard to be hard to find one. Yeah, yeah when when, jo when Georgia's. Um, Davis ran a 4.7 at 340. I was like, Mike, I thought about you so quick. I was like, Oh, dude, that's a problem, right? That's that's so, but so, so what happens is you, you remember, you guys remember, I think it was, was it Mike Mamula who got Boston College guy who went to the Eagles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's, so there's a guy who was not even on a lot of people's draft board that went up to the first round. So we can say that. We could say that that both that athletic trait as a defensive end maybe didn't translate, but it's not like he was terrible. He just probably wasn't worth a first round pick. You see what I mean? But but yeah, I I because we hear that all the time. Like, and I used to think like, yeah, you're right. Like, why are we running this forty? Like, I'm never going to run forty yards. Then I started talking to like the best players that Jordan. I think Jordan was like right around a five a five flat. Oh yeah, I think like, okay, the, yeah, yeah, it's like the best. Ryan Khalil, dude. Ryan Khalil could get to the second level faster than anybody I've ever played with. And you start, you just start looking around, like, man, the fast players are pretty good. Like, you know, this I started looking around, like, I've never, I just never seen a guy who runs a sub a sub five ever be bad. You know, true, true. But I I know it's it's an impossible gate though because then you got like a a guy who runs a five two six is an absolute mauler. It's like, well, I guess that didn't matter at all, right? <laughs> so maybe it's just a bonus thing. It's like a it's like a star in Mar Super Mario World or something. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean Trent Williams, Teron Armstead. I think they're down four seven, four eight. Oh, offensive yeah, Trent, Trent, yeah. Armstead ran like a like a like a four seven. Trent yeah. Williams. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> we if you start looking, you'll go, man. A lot of these, a lot of these sub five guys are pretty pretty good football players. Right. But it's you're. I, I completely agree with you though. Just because you don't run a fast forty doesn't mean you can't play football. Right. But. But I'll tell you what. This this is a little bit off subject, but it it kind of it's about the same idea. 
what we do is offensive. But when, when you look at an offensive lineman and you look at the way that we we coach offensive linemen, we coach offensive linemen like they're not athletes. If you think about the movement, the way that we have them stand, have us upright and, you know, all that, we coach them like they're not athletes when, in fact, like a lot of these guys are an, on an athletic level, especially at the NFL level, like a linebacker, like a safety. Right. They, I mean, they don't have the same times, but you start looking at like body size versus what they're doing. It's pretty impressive. And the, the guys like you just named Jason Peters, Trent Williams, Walter Jones, Laramie Tunzel, they move like athletes. They don't move like linemen. They move like athletes. So if we're trying to and, and if you watch them, if you watch their bed, like they don't punch like we teach them how to punch. They don't set like we teach them how to set. They set with a hip hinge like an athlete. And so, but we don't teach everybody that way. It's kind of it's it's kind of nuts if you think about it. Like we we do a lot of crazy stuff with the offensive line, and, and, and not only the National Football League, but starting at a younger level. You got to treat them like athletes, man. They're athletes. Yeah, especially nowadays when you see the evolution of edge rushers compared to you know back in the '90s. You know the bigger guys, more power moves in their arsenal. Now you're blocking guys like this kid we're talking about, Barno Burns, Hassan Reddick. Don't the offensive linemen have to have the athleticism to match these more athletic defensive ends? <laughs> it's it's insane. I, I, it's super impressive now. Like that's I'd say that's the most fun, uh, the the best part about the game right now for me. I, and I don't like sit there and, like watch offensive line. I like watching football. Like I watch I'll watch a game like a fan sometimes. Uh, you know, but when you get these really good edge, like I love watching. Last year, Reddick and Burns, I love watching those guys because oh, yeah. it doesn't look like they should be winning because they, they look physically 50 pounds smaller than the guy. And they're just – I mean, they, the spin move on Burns is ridiculous. Like, he beats the brakes yeah. off guys. It's embarrassing. And he goes, you know, Max Crosby. Like, he spins – but it, it, the way that these guys can move now at that size, it's just – it's so much fun to watch. And the chess game that's going on between that offensive that offensive lineman, Aaron, every time Aaron Donald's on the field, you know, it's like no matter who he's going against, the way he sets people up, it's a really fun part of the game. If you can just kind of – if you can just take your eye off the ball a little bit and start focusing on some different matchups, man, there's some good matchups out there these days. Good. Let's move on to the um, next Panthers draft pick. They drafted guard uh, Cade Mays out of Tennessee. Before we get started on that, Mike, coming from the – a kid coming in as a third-round pick – not a third-round pick, a day-three pick and coming into an NFL camp, what what uphill battles is he going to enter into trying to make the roster, possibly crack the rotation, and maybe you know start his career on special teams, on field goal unit or punt team? What are some challenges he's going to face trying to get on the roster as a rookie? Well, just you know, everybody who's there already has had at least one year of experience in the National Football League, and the business is done differently. The competition is different. So there's there's that – um, but it really is a, it's more of a question of what building he's like, where you get drafted is so important to these guys, third round draft picks, especially third round, fourth round for anything late. I mean, anything later than like anything less than maybe two or 3% of the great athletes in the league, where you get drafted really matters. And so the questions you want to ask yourself, this is why being a free agent sometimes is better than being like a seventh round draft pick. Cause at least you right. get a kind of a choice of where you want to go. And so what are you asking yourself? Like, is there a position open for me, whether it's a starting position or a backup position. Do they value my position at special teams? Do I have a coach that's proven to develop anybody that looks like me or that has been a fifth or sixth round or third round draft pick? Like, does he have a history of developing talent? Or is this one of those places where they draft high and they trade because they don't know how to develop talent? Like, those are questions that you should need to ask yourself. 
And right now with Carolina and kind of how everything's gone the last couple of years, Floody, like I would be really happy if I'm Cade Mays and I know that, hey, James Campen, I know the last couple stops haven't been rock star stops for him, but he developed. He was he was in a in on a team that had some pretty damn good offensive linemen come out of it in, in Green Bay, right? I mean, you start 2002, I think, when he got there to when he left. They, I mean, even Bakhtiari, all those guys are still there. TJ Lang, Josh Sitton, yeah. Brian Malaga, Corey Lindsley, like mm-hmm. Marco, me, Tauscher, Flanagan, Chad Cliff. Like those are some pretty good groups, right? And he's like he's absorbed that. He's coached that. He's led that. So I would feel really good if I'm a Carolina Panthers fan. But if I'm a guy like Cade Mays, like at least I know this guy gives a damn about developing talent. Right. That's the most important thing, for, especially for offensive line, because like we just talked about, not everybody treats it the right way as far as how we're developing these guys. Having a guy that wants to develop talent will take time to develop talent is a big deal. Yeah, that's one thing I looked at when I was looking up James Campen's resume is all of the day three picks and undrafted free agents that he helped develop. And guys like Bakhtiari, it was his fourth round pick. Now he's arguably one of the top three premier tackles in the NFL. So that's definitely comforting knowing that he has a coach like that on his team. Now, uh, Kev, I know you had been watching Cade Mays for over a year. You want to comment on that or possibly have some more questions? Yeah, I was going to want to ask Mike. So with Cade Mays, he started out two years at Georgia and transferred and did two years at Tennessee. Uh, one of the things that I did when I was doing my film study on him, particularly started last year because he flirted with coming out then, but then he returned. Um, how valuable, particularly, you know, with the NFL roster only allowing 46 players, um, this was a guy that was pretty effective at all five positions, center, both guards, uh, both tackles. I, I see him more as an interior offensive lineman. Uh, versus, you know, more of a tackle, but, you know, if in a pinch or whatever, he can come in. How important is it for a guy that is a day three pick to have that type of position flexibility? I think it's huge. You just start looking at it like this. On game day roster, you're either going to have seven or eight offensive linemen up, mm-hmm. okay, depending on how depending on how versatile your uh, your backup center is. You're going to have seven or eight, eight game day guys up. If, if you can play – like, for example, if you can play special teams – and, and you can be the seventh or eighth guy, you're in right there, right? If you can play more than – if you can play tackle – if you can play swing tackle or you can play tackle and guard, you're, and oh, the other guy only plays one, you're probably in. So it's I think it's a huge deal. And maybe most importantly, I can just tell you this from experience, like the more positions you play and understanding both sides and understanding that like the geometry of the game from like the guard to the tackle, how everything changes, it, it helps you. It increases your football intelligence. So I think it helps, like it helps you develop as a player, but also it does give you more opportunities. Absolutely. I know uh, uh, Cade Mays. I watched the Senior Bowl practices. They were trying him out at center, and I think other than that, he has experience at all four positions. If I'm, is that right, Kev? So what yeah, is that? Uh, right. What is that versatility? Is that a good thing to be able to know how to play all four positions, or are you possibly losing experience trying to perfect one thing? Right, jack of all trades, master of none kind of idea. You know, I think when you're, I think when you're, and honestly, this this is kind of a tough uh, answer, but it depends how good you are, right? right? If like if like Mark Tauscher came in, he was a seventh round pick, I think, out of Wisconsin in Green Bay, but he played. They lined him up at right tackle, and he never lost a snap on day like from day one. He never lost, right? And so they didn't have to try to put him anywhere else, right? But. You know, if, if, if you just come in like most day three picks, 
and you can play, hey, we'll try over here. You look good at this position. We think, look, if you have the athletic traits to play a tackle or play a guard and you can also get, you know, get to the other spot, I think it just – the versatility gives you opportunities, right, because you don't know who's going to get hurt. Right. You know, most, most of the starters in the league that were day one draft picks, they get their opportunity because somebody got hurt. Now you think about it in the league. So, like, the more, the more positions you can play, it just raises your, increases your chances of finding a roster spot and finding a uh, way on the field. Right. Kevin, you watched him last year. What were some things you saw about Cade Mays that you liked? Uh, well, some things that I like um, that stood out to me on film, again, with us wanting to have this physical, nasty persona, um, he stayed looking for work. Um, he's, he finishes his blocks. Uh, Mike, and I don't know if you had a chance to peep out in any of his um, film, but that was something I saw consistently. He kept his head on a swivel. You know, I saw him multiple times knock down or block his guy, then, you know, moving around looking for work. I think guys like that, uh, that type of uh, mentality, I think it'll bode well, um, you know, moving forward. Uh, I, I just like, I just like, I just like linemen that's just not satisfied with handling their assignment. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And again, the big key for me there is, and we, we just don't know until you see it, is when the game speeds up, the competition's uh, better consistently, much better. Mm -hmm. Do they get eyes wide and do they turn into that person who's just satisfied getting their job done? Or do they keep that mentality like, I, I'm confident, I, like I belong here. I'm going to show you I belong here and I'm going to go look for more work. Because you see a lot of tough guys in college that they get to the end. And I, this is not a, a statement about Kate Mays or anybody at all. I'm just telling you from experience, you see a lot of guys on tape where you go, oh, man, I, I love I love that guy's trying to finish. I love the guy's trying to do that. And he has all these characteristics. And then they get into the league and they're like, dude, they can't even get past their three technique to get to the next guy. You know what I mean? They're not looking for work. They're just happy the play's over. And so with a guy like Cade Mays, it's always like for me, it always comes down to are you is your body positioning right? Like he plays a little, I'd say he plays a little bit high hips. I'd like you'd like to see him get a little bit mm -hmm. lower in his in his um in his movements. Mm -hmm. But does he so can he get a little bit better body position? And then can he just continue to improve his technique? Because if you can get yourself in the right position, then you're def you're gonna default back to kind of what feels normal to you. And for him, it looks like what feels normal is to try to be a bully. Right? Try to go find that other work. I mean bully in the best sense. But if, if you're not in that position, you feel like you're always on your heels, then it's like you go into survival mode and you can't be the guy that you really want to be. You know, so let's let's hope let's hope that Cade in particular and all these guys really continue to stay on the front foot. Okay, great. I mean that covers our uh three draft picks. We got Akeem McWanu, Amari Barno, and Cade May. So Thank you, Mike, for today for coming in and giving us a detailed breakdown on all three of our draft picks. I uh, look forward to seeing them develop, work with James Campen, and hopefully become uh, quality pros for the Panthers. So before we sign off for the day, Kev, you have anything else you want to add? I'm not. Just, again, just, uh, Mike, we appreciate, you know, standing in touch and reaching out uh, to you. Um, like I said, uh, I definitely uh, enjoy your platforms with Process to Perform and as well as your podcast definitely wish you much continued success and um you know uh, if you're available uh during the training camp when some of these uh linemen battles take place we we love to link up with you again and um and um you know chop it up like that again if uh if that works out for you yeah absolutely let's do it 
I know next time we talk, you're going to come up with say, some sub five guys that aren't worth a damn. I'm telling you, I'll tell you, it's crazy. I know it's crazy, but it's true, man. There's no, but you, if you can run, you can play offensive line. I don't know why. Yeah, but you know, I Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I need to take a one quick question, real quick, Mike, before we go. Yeah. Um, Panthers last year drafted uh, Deontay Brown out of Alabama. Kind of like Will said it best. Kind of was like a red shirt year because he was trying to go from three sixty five down to three thirty. Um, yeah. He uh, he didn't give up any sacks uh, playing in Alabama. Um, I know a lot of Panther fans are kind of rooting for him. Uh, he definitely fits that power run game. Uh, when a, when a player loses that much weight. Um, is is that something that can um, like what kind of expectations could um, could we look, expect out of him moving forward? That's I mean that's such a good question, man. I don't really have a, I don't have a good answer to like it. Like it made me nervous that Evan Neal lost thirty pounds to go to the combine. Like it makes it makes you <laughs> nervous because you guys remember Chris Jenkins? Like he right. was the best Woo. he was the best D tackle in the league, but I, dude, that dude's weight fluctuated so dramatically that at some point it, it becomes a problem, right? And when you have to like, my whole thing is like, okay, why did you have to lose that much weight? Like you're in the, you're in the national, and I, I don't know this kid at all, right? I've never watched him, but like you, mm -hmm. you're in the national football league and you had to lose 30, like somebody had to tell you to lose 35 pounds. Like that don't make any, that just doesn't make any sense to me because like you, you're, you get a chance to live out your dream and, and you're 35 pounds overweight. It's like, what makes you think that you're not going to get back there? Like that, that is hard. Now, having said that 35 pounds is almost a different human. So you should expect that he can play at a higher level. One thing you go back and look at Alabama guys, and I say this knowing that like Chris Samuel was one of my favorite players and he was a great player, but you go back, especially at tackle, because they've got some, they've got some, obviously the, the kid from uh, the kid that's playing in India right now, the center Ryan Kelly was unbelievable. There's a couple of guys that are interior guys that are really good. But if you go out and you look at, at, at tackles in particular that played at Alabama over the last couple uh, last decade, the, the hit rate on a lot of those high pick guys hasn't been very good as far as just coming in and really making a difference. And I don't know what that is, but I do know that, and this is kind of crazy, but Saban runs such a tight ship that when, you know, the only thing I can think of, because I don't know, is that when you get into, like, they have a little more leeway and the pros, you got to act like a pro, right? No one's telling you right. what to do with a lot of the stuff. Right. right. And that's, that's kind of the weight thing, right? So when, when you get into that situation, it's like, is the reason that some of these guys aren't translating as well because they're going to a, a, a club that maybe didn't expect as much as Nick Saban or the Alabama program? I don't know. But, I, you know, listen, you're always rooting for guys to, to go out there, especially guys that are willing to put in the work to lose weight and do well. You're always, you're always looking for them to, to, to go out and have a, a good go of it. Um, it's just 35, 30, 35 pounds is a lot of weight, man. It's just you don't even know what he's going to look like. I read one article. I don't know how true it is. I know a lot of the pre-draft talk is a bunch of smoke and nonsense, but they said one thing they were concerned about, Evan Neal, and a lot of Alabama linemen was the wear and tear they already have coming into the league, I guess playing and practicing hard and playing in the SEC to grind day in, day out. So they expected Evan Neal to slip in the draft a little bit because a lot of teams were concerned about the wear and tear on his knees and hips coming into the league. Dude, that's crazy. But that's yeah, crazy um, talk. That's that insane. Too, so. <laughs> I mean, like every like that's how. So even if he was, even if he is, even if they're more intense than everybody else in the country, which they're not, right? Even if they were, that would just be what they were twenty years ago. What everybody was like, right. it's, the, the restrictions don't even allow you to be that physical, right? You know, as far as how many padded practice, like we used to have two padded practices every day, 
Uh-huh. So you can't, you can't sit here and tell me that it's it's worse than that, you know. Right. <laughs> um, maybe that means he's not going to play 15 years. He'll play 14 or 13. Oh, yeah. But I, I would take that guy. If you told me, hey, he's going to be your guy for seven years, I'd be, okay. Yeah, I'd be thrilled right. to take him. He, to me, he looked, from a bend standpoint and just the way that he moves, like he's a he's an A-level athlete, man. He's like a 99 percentile athlete to me. Yeah, I mean, we look at him and – Look at his body. You think three thirty-five? How? If this doesn't look like he has a high body fat percentage, this looks like a. He looked amazing. Athlete. He looked amazing taking that weight off. That's but that's like kind of one of those things though. Where you're like, gosh, why did you have to lose thirty pounds or twenty-five pounds? Like, right. why? Why weren't you just there already? Like, why were you? Why did you have to get there for combine? That doesn't seem, you know. <laughs> but anyways, we'll see how it goes. I guess right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, once again, uh, thank you again, Mike, for your time today. Very informative. Um, we're glad to have you back again as we progress through the offseason and get closer to the training camp. Uh, everybody else, thank you for tuning in tonight. Um, process to Perform, where can they find you, Mike, on Twitter, social media, websites? Yeah, Mike, Mike Wall 68 on Twitter, Process to Perform on Instagram. You can check out um, you can check out the podcast, Process to Perform, anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, et cetera. And then the uh, same with the On My Block podcast that I do with the Packers all-time leading rusher, Ramon Green. Check it out anywhere you get your podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. I always like talking to you. All right, thank you. All right, everybody, it. Uh, keep counting, and we'll see. You. Talk to you guys next week. Okay.